and welcome to the Redeeming Fate podcast. Today's episode is all about creating a culture of evangelism. We're not talking about building a movement that can change the world, but reminding ourselves to introduce people to the one who can change the world. Creating a culture of evangelism within a local church involves fostering a community that is passionate about sharing the good news of the gospel with others. It requires equipping members with tools and skills they need to effectively communicate their faith and inviting them to actively engage with their local community. By prioritizing and celebrating outreach and evangelism, we want to inspire each other to live out our faith in a way that positively impacts the world around us. With me today on the podcast is my co-host, Shannon Collins. Welcome. How are you doing today, Shannon? I'm doing great, Matt. And Justin All, our tech. What's up? Hey, I'm doing well, Matt. How are you doing? <laughs> great. Always love sitting around this table talking with you guys. So when we talk about things like culture, I think it's important to have uh, a definition or a framework to start with. So Shannon, let me, let me toss it over to you. Actually, Justin, let me go to you first. I know you've got a definition of uh, culture pulled up here. So what, what is it? What is the generic definition of a culture? Well, I can tell you the chat GPT answer here. <laughs> uh, uh, chat GPT says that uh, culture refers to the shared beliefs, values, customs, uh, behaviors, and artifacts that characterize a group or society. It encompasses all the aspects of social life, including language, art, music, religion, cuisine, fashion, and social norms. Nice. Nothing like a little automated <laughs> intelligence to generate a definition. Actually, I think that's right. That's spot on, though. Spot on. So let's zero in a little bit more here. So we're talking about culture. So kind of a way of life, uh, a way a community lives and functions. So the culture that we're talking about here is, is in the context of the local church, Redeemer. So, so Shannon, when we talk about things like culture, what do we mean by that? And what do we mean by a culture of evangelism? Yeah, I think to put it simply, uh, culture has been defined as a way of life for uh, that for an entire society. And so when we think of that in the context of the local church, we would say it's a way of life for the church. The church lives this way together. And so that culture would include things like what we believe. It would include the virtues that we uphold and celebrate, the practices that we engage in. And one of those practices that we engage in as a local church or every local church ought to engage in would be the practice of evangelism. Uh, and that practice of evangelism is built on the belief that every human being that's ever come into existence who bears the image of God will one day spend eternity either in his presence or separated from his presence. And so evangelism is a vital practice in the life of a local church. And so when we think of a culture of evangelism, it's a, it's a culture, a way of life that practices evangelism, celebrates evangelism, because we believe that every soul has a destiny. Yeah, absolutely. Is it just me or when you hear the word evangelism, for me, my blood pressure goes up a little bit. Like there's a stigma around that word. Do you guys feel that as well? Do you sense that when, you, when we're talking about this or thinking about it? Yeah, I I agree with you. I think that a lot of folks feel that way. I feel that way at times. And I think one of the reasons for that uh, is because we often think of evangelism in the same way we think of the rest of the Christian life, as if it's an individual endeavor, something mm. that we're engaged in on yeah. our own. Uh, we tend to think of the Christian life as if we're Batman rather than the Avengers, right? <laughs> um, Batman always operates solo, right? He operates in isolation, whereas the Avengers work together to save the world. 
And we tend to think of evangelism, the universe, actually, yeah, the actual universe <laughs> and the multiverse. Um, there it is. Yeah, uh, but we tend to think of evangelism and the Christian life as mm. and live it as if we're Batman rather than the Avengers. But evangelism, like the Christian life, takes place when it's done in the context of a local church, when the church is doing it together, not as a program necessarily that they're running, but as a people who are celebrating and commending the gospel to the world. Yeah, that's that's really good actually. That perspective takes a lot of the weight off of it for me. Yeah, to think that it's not it's not all on me. Mm. So let's let's pull on that thread a little bit. So how does this look in the local church? So we have our definition now of what culture is, but how do we put that into practice? How should this look healthy uh, in a healthy local church context? Uh, a culture of evangelism, I believe, would leverage the gifts of some and the connections of others to teach the gospel with the aim to persuade. In his book, Evangelism, Max Stiles uses that definition of evangelism, that it's teaching the gospel with the aim to persuade. And whenever we think about sharing our faith with others, um, teaching the gospel, sharing the gospel always comes through words. You know, there are some who uh, would always want to pull up the the quote, um, and whether they attribute it to Augustine or someone else, of preach the gospel at all times, if necessary, use words. And I think that they have a misunderstanding of what the gospel is. The gospel is mm. news that is being shared. It's news that's being reported. And so we cannot teach or share the gospel without words. And as we do that, we're aiming to persuade others to place their confidence and faith and trust in Christ and so we're aiming to persuade them of something. And so that in a culture of evangelism, you're taking the, the gifts of some who have confidence in, and clarity in what the gospel is, and then the connections of others uh, in order to teach the good news of Christ's life, death, resurrection, and return with the aim or the goal to persuade others to come to faith mm. in Him. That's good. And the reason I would say use the gifts of some and the connections of others is because there's the nature of the Christian life oftentimes is that the longer that we are Christians, we tend to lose contact with non-Christians. Um, so someone who has just recently come to faith in Christ probably has a lot greater degree of connections with folks who are apart from God. Whereas those who have been Christians for years and years and years, their life, their their contact points in their life get... Uh, oftentimes swallowed up by those in the church. And so we're around a lot of Christians as as followers of Christ the longer that we walk with Him. And so in a culture of evangelism, you would have both. You would have, in a church that had a culture of evangelism, you'd have, you'd have both. You'd have those who were recent converts who had come to faith in Christ, who still had tons of connections with folks who are, are not Christians, and then you would have folks who are more seasoned in their walk with the Lord, and even though they don't have the same connections as those who are new converts, uh, they work together uh, in order to engage others in evangelism. And so the, folk who, the, the folks who have the connections are connecting their friends and their family members with the folks who uh, have walked with the Lord for some time and are able to clearly articulate and explain their faith, and so they're working together to make this a reality. So no one, no one's just operating out of the Batcave by themselves. Yeah, that's good. And for our listeners, if you're listening in, that book that Shannon's recommending or that he's pulling that from called Evangelism is from the Nine Mark series, yes. which is full of a bunch of different topics that are really helpful uh, when understanding things like church membership, understanding uh, evangelism uh, or the gospel, 
And so we'd commend that book series to you, the Nine Marks books. I think Mark Dever is, that's part of his ministry. Mm-hmm. And then, but there are different authors that contribute to mm-hmm. this. And so it's really helpful. So let me go back to, to that, what you were just talking about. When you have uh, not necessarily young people, but young believers who still have all these contacts coming out of uh, a secular place, a secular life, joining the church, being equipped by the more mature believers, not necessarily an age. It could be younger people. Mm-hmm. But as they're pouring into them, they're growing in wisdom. They don't necessarily have the contacts as the younger people. So let me, let me zero in on that. Are we prone to lose touch with non-Christians the longer we are Christians? I think that we are, um, unless we're very intentional about creating spaces where we do come into contact with non-believers. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true, especially when I think about myself. I have to be intentional to put myself around uh, other people who aren't believers because just the stage of life that we're in, and I think the majority of our church right now the stage of life that we are collectively in has us raising families, uh, dealing with school, dealing with uh, just life and getting through. And it, we're not necessarily in those places where unbelievers are that need Christ. Not to say that they aren't. They absolutely are around us. We're just not engaging with them because we're engaging with each other constantly. And so so how does that look practically? If we have a culture, a healthy culture of evangelism, how do we go out and find those? Hmm. Yeah, I think in a in a in a church that develops a culture of evangelism, there's again one we're not doing it in isolation; we're doing it together. And what that what I think that practically looks like, and I think Max in in, in the book uh, Styles, I think paints a really good picture of what this looks like, um, and and shares a few stories about how it how he's seen it operate, um, but. Yeah, so oftentimes when we think of evangelism, we think of the airplane encounters where we share our faith in one airplane ride from Dallas to Houston in 45 minutes and ask someone to pray with us. But in a culture of evangelism, those those encounters may take place. I'm not saying that they don't, uh, but it's more of a long-term walking with someone as you teach them about who Jesus is from the Scriptures. And so what that would look like would be uh, inviting a, a neighbor or a friend or a coworker into uh, uh, an ongoing meeting where you're t- perhaps reading the Gospel of Mark together and answering their questions or reading the Gospel of John together and engaging in conversation. And that's where the value of uh, doing this together comes into place because if you're a less seasoned believer who doesn't have confidence to walk someone through the Gospel of yeah. Mark or the Gospel of John and answer their questions— but you have connections with those types of individuals who are not Christians and perhaps are searching, then you can connect with a more seasoned believer who can walk someone that through that. And then the three of you can meet together and study the Gospel of John or study the Gospel of Mark, engage in questions, answer questions, engage in conversation, teaching the Gospel with the aim to persuade this non-Christian that you've engaged with to place their faith in confidence in Christ. Yeah, that's great. It actually reminds me of, of what kind of what I've experienced in my Christian walk and going all the way back to like youth group days in high schools. We, our church um, did this evangelism training. I don't even remember the name of it, but it was kind of focused around the example that Jesus set with the woman at the well. And it kind of followed that, like calling out her sin, basically. Like when you read that, you see she was amazed, like this must be the Messiah because he knows these things. Well, th- this approach was kind of like, 
focusing in on the pointing out the sins. So like what you do is you go out in public. You remind me with the airplane, actually, because that's one of the questions you ask people like just on the street. You don't know these people. If you're on an airplane today, you knew it was going to crash, but you were offered a parachute. Would you not put it on? Or would you just say, no, no, I've been there. I, I don't need that. Uh, I've tried that before. I don't, I'm not a parachute guy, you know, but you knew the plane was going to go down. Wouldn't you want a parachute? And that's kind of a segue to get into it. And you'd ask him like, have you ever told a lie? Yeah. Okay. Well, you're a liar. Okay. Well, have you ever lusted after or uh, a man or a woman? Okay. Well, Jesus says, if you've lusted in your heart, you've committed adultery. So you've already told me you're a lying adulterer. So and you bring their sin up to them and say, okay, but there is someone who has already paid the price, the penalty that you deserve for your sin. So it's great. It's a good program. And I remember at the end of it, like they made space. We all got in the church van and drove down to like kind of the center of the small town I grew up in, like this Baskin Robbins and a grocery store. And they just go walk around, go find somebody, try it out. And it was crazy and it was good and it was exciting. And it was uh, a huge learning experience. And I feel like I understood the gospel better after learning those things and after attempting to share them as nervous as I was and we were. But based on what you're saying, Shannon, when I look over the arc of my life up to this point, I never saw a conversion out of those conversations. I never saw someone come to Christ. I never even saw someone come to visit church based off of that style of evangelism. Not to say it wasn't good, not to say God didn't do something, not to say a seed wasn't planted, but the ways that I have seen people come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ is through coming to small group, come hang out with us. I remember one example in specific uh, in Kansas living there. This was before I was married even. So I was in college and I was in a small group. You know, we just basically break down the sermon every week after church. We go to small group, have a meal. And then this, this one person started coming, not a believer. And they were asking the most basic questions. Like we're trying to break down theological concepts that we're pulling out of the sermon that week. And then this person's like, um, Jesus, who's, what, who's that? And then, so like, at first I'm frustrated because I'm trying to get into these deep conversations, but then there's this person over here asking these super basic questions about Christianity. Fast forward months and months and months of continuous engagement and taking the time, our our very wise uh, small group leader answering this person's questions, they come to a saving faith in Jesus through that experience. We get to celebrate with them through baptism and uh, participation in the local church. And it was such a beautiful thing to go along with that person and and see the walk and see the Lord pursuing them Mm. and saving them Mm. and then baptizing them. You know, it was just such a cool thing. And so through that style, I was able to see that come to fruition. And it all comes back to the culture of that group that those small group leaders had established there that we're not going to be afraid to stop and slow down and answer the questions Mm -hmm. and do it well and just simply present Jesus to them. So let me throw that back over to you then. So what are some ways that each of us can contribute to and participate in this culture here at Redeemer, where we find ourselves now in Rockwall County and in Hunt County and in Texas? How do we practically contribute to this culture that you've described? Well, I think there's a handful of ways for sure. Um, I think first, recognizing the connections that you have with folks who are far from God, with folks who are not Christians. Um, and I, I think it starts with the with us kind of jettisoning the assumption that everyone in our in our kind of conservative um, political culture in Rockwall County or Hunt <laughs> County is a Christian. 
um, we have to get rid of that idea. Uh, because, it's the Bible Belt. Yeah, because, well, because not everyone that you come in contact with is a Christian. In fact, I think that when churches get evangelism, when, whenever they don't practice a healthy culture of evangelism, um, I've, I've heard it said that it's essentially uh, a method of assisted suicide for a church. Wow. Um, because the, the focus of our preaching and teaching turns from the gospel to just living a, a good life, living a, a moral life. Um, and so as a result, non-Christians are kind of lulled into thinking they're okay in the state that they're yeah. in if they just pay their taxes and they treat their spouse as well and they raise well-adjusted kids. Um, Christians tend to think that non-Christians are believers because they make superficial outward commitments, like attending church on occasion or going to a small group or giving at times. Um, the church would end up baptizing those who aren't believers, allowing them into membership, and eventually those non-Christians become leaders in the church. Uh, whenever a church does not have a healthy culture of evangelism and the church ends up becoming a subculture of just this nominalism. Yeah and lack of commitment to Christ. And so I think, first of all, we have to get rid of that idea that um, everyone that we meet in our conservative culture uh, is a Christian, because they're not. Um, and then leveraging those connections that we have with people. Uh, if if you um, are a, a, a recent convert, you've just recently come to faith in Christ, uh, then you probably have connections with folks who don't know Jesus. And so leveraging those contacts that you have with them and trying to connect them with folks who can teach through Scripture and commend the person of Christ to your non-Christian friends. And so using those contacts. I think second, if you have the gift of teaching or evangelism, being willing to exercise that as you have opportunity with folks who are not believers. And so whether that's in a small group context, inviting people who are not believers into your life group uh, as a, as, at Redeemer, or if it's meeting one-on-one -on -one with someone or two-on-one -on -one with someone uh, where you're walking through Scripture together, understanding who Jesus is, and aiming to persuade them to place their faith and confidence in Him. And so you could participate in it that way as well. And so recognizing where you are on that continuum of... of your ability to, to teach with the aim to persuade, and where you are with regards to the connections that you have with non-Christians, and then us working together to, in partnership uh, to create this culture of evangelism. Yeah, that's great. And if I could just push back a little bit on what you were saying about you know this conservative place that we live, the, the Bible Belt where we live, and that uh, everybody thinks they're a Christian here. And that's true. But also, you can use that to your advantage, uh, especially, and we're going to talk more about how to engage in these conversations, but I have found since living here that it is not offensive. It is not unusual. In fact, it's, it's normal. When you meet somebody, you ask them, hey, where do you go to church? Like, if you ask that in the Northeast, you might get some looks, but here it's just a yeah. normal question. It's what everybody asks, because pretty much everybody goes to church somewhere or has or has the name of a church on the tip of their tongue ready to spit out at you, mm -hmm. you know, to, to, to get you to think that they go to church when they really don't. But yeah. that's a great way to start a conversation, just, hey, where do you go to church? And it's a question that we already know in this area is not a problematic question. It's received openly. You can start talking about uh, having spiritual conversations, start talking about the gospel very quickly, very easily, just from that opening question. You know, as we think about engaging in biblical evangelism, where we recognize that the aim is conversion of, of repentance and faith that bears the, 
fruit in a life, uh, then we not only commend that through our words that we're sharing with people, but also with our practices that we're engaging in as a church body. And so, for instance, one of those would be the way that we engage in practicing communion or the Lord's table, um, particularly at Redeemer. Um, we do uh, uh, we do practice what would historically be known as fencing the table, and what what is meant by that is uh, only allowing uh, Christians to come and receive uh, the bread and the the cup uh, whenever we open the Lord's table to share communion together, and so we make a statement every every month whenever we share communion with one another that if you're a Christian who's repented of sin and placed their faith in Christ, then you're invited to come to the table. But if you're not a Christian, you've never repented of sin, you've never placed your confidence in Christ, uh, then we would ask you to stay seated and just observe as we come to the table and take of the elements together uh, with the hope that they would continue to come week after week and hear the gospel presented and in such a way that they would be persuaded then to place their confidence in Christ. Because if you don't fence the table that way, then and, and anyone and everyone is welcome to come to the table, then anyone and everyone assumes that they are a Christian because they've come and received the elements. But if you don't draw a line through that practice and say, hey, no, this is reserved for Christians. If you're not a Christian, this is what that means. Right? It's, it's an easy way to explain that on a regular, ongoing basis as a part of our practice in the church. And so that's just one simple way that a culture of evangelism uh, impacts the way that we engage in certain practices. Right, That's one of the practices that we engage in that defines that culture to say, no, this is, this is reserved for Christians. If you're not a Christian, um, we, we, we would appeal to you to place your faith in Christ and meet us at the table. But until then, um, this, is, this is not for you. Yeah, it's not for you, and it doesn't mean anything to you. Yes. You know, Spurgeon, Spurgeon wisely described it as a pair of spectacles or a pair of glasses that I put on to see the picture more clearly in front of me. Uh, communion or the Lord's Supper is a pair of spectacles that I put on to see more clearly the cross of Christ and the gospel. And if you haven't believed in the gospel yet, then you're, you're not seeing it all. Yeah. So you can't see something more clearly that's not yet in front of you. Mm-hmm. But we want so badly for you to see with us and, and join in that with us and participate with us. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening in today. This has been another episode of the Redeeming Fate podcast. We're going to engage more in this idea of evangelism and how, how you can participate more fully and deeply in it. So please tune in for our next episode. <laughs>